Where does Ford Australia find the time? Honestly, coming up is some of the company's finest work to date. So sit back and prepare to be amazed as I was. Just feel the quality. But whatever you do, for Christ's sake, don't step in it. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just... Up there. Click it, dude. You know you want to. I have a bone of sorts to pick with one of you before we get started. That dude out there in his underwear on the couch with his mates, i.e. alone, who alleged unkindly in my view that my usage of the term... Australia has become old and tired and I should remove it from further future commentary. Love to know what you think about that. Personally, I think alleging something such as that on a channel such as this is just downright un-Australian. Love to know what you think though. Anyway, let us get right into it. Ford Australia recently erected a dam across the mighty bullshit river. You probably saw it in the paper. Of which, of course, the fabled Dingo Piss Creek is a prime tributary. And I think we owe it to them to deep dive into the lake and possibly even open the floodgates. Playing chicken with road safety? New research shows which states are more likely to break the rules and how COVID has impacted driver confidence. Ford's bullshit spin machine on the red line there. Yes. I'll put a link in the description where you can download the full official press release PDF just so you can confirm that I am not cherry picking here. There's nothing the media and its single digit IQ loves more than new research. So away we went with the arbitrary regurgitation of one of the worst press releases of the year. The Canberra Times, our soul media's which car, <laughs> news chant, and even senior driver Oz going for gold <laughs> in the spin regurgitation Olympics. I'd suggest there's a difference between different types of research. You know, like on one hand, you've got Carlo Rubia and Simon Vandermeer bravely isolating massive vector bosons in an antimatter containment bottle deep in the bowels of CERN. And on the other hand, you've got paying a marketing company with a call centre to pester about a thousand bogan losers at dinner time to answer a handful of loaded questions about what they think about driving in Australia after COVID, all in the name of road safety. Like, Jesus. One of these kinds of research will earn you the Nobel Prize in physics. The other is, of course, just disgraceful, indefensible Bullshit. Of all places, our nation's capital is home to the highest number of rule breakers, with 18.8% of runs believing driving 5Ks over the speed limit is okay. Let's get a few things straight, okay? The population of Australia is 25 million, okay? Roughly half a million of them live in the ACT. 
presumably because they acted disgracefully in a previous life. I don't know. Stop acting like a little bastard, Jimmy. Otherwise, you might grow up in the ACT. So, if you poll 1,000 bogan losers and you do the whole pro rata call distribution thing across the states and territories per head of population, the ACT gets 20 phone calls, like 20, okay? That's if you get the number of bogans to call in... <laughs> proportionally correct. So Ford gets a marketing company to call 20 dipshits in Canberra, and we go from that to claiming 18.8% of Canberrans think that going 5Ks over the speed limit is okay. Like, please, in what universe is that mathematically defensible or demographically representative? Like, come on. This whole survey is like having 25,000 employees in some multinational company and then interviewing just one of them and then publishing your annual employee satisfaction survey. New research reveals 100% of employees think the boss is an unprincipled cock, but would probably claim he was a stand-up dude if asked by anyone in the HR department. It's kind of amazing how that works, isn't it? Anyway, pro tip. Obviously, there are times when exceeding the speed limit is quite okay because the speed limits are all over the shop as if they were set by some executive in the former Soviet bureaucracy. A high-profile case in point, the Schittsville Harbour Bridge, the mighty coat hanger, <laughs> arguably our most revered monument. And dude, like, if you've ever come from overseas, you've flown for 24 hours or something to get here and walk across the coat hanger, like, please accept my sincere and unreserved apology. Like, nobody deserves that. The coat hanger actually has tidal traffic flow, okay? So some lanes flow in different directions at different times of the day to handle the different volumes going this way and that, okay? There's no central divider separating opposing traffic flows. So a head-on crash is dead easy. It's that kind of road. And the limit is 70. And just around the corner, the Anzac Bridge. Much better civil engineering. It's a much newer bridge, like, go figure. It's got a central divider. There's no tidal flow. It is, by any measure, a better, safer road. And the limit there, 60 k's an hour. It's like 10 k's slower on the better road. Only a politician or a bureaucrat hack could defend those respective limits. Like... When you think about it, it is kind of functionally insane. It's certainly safe to exceed the speed limit at times. Not all the time, but at times. And not everywhere, but in some places, certainly. It's always illegal, not criminal, but illegal. And I'm not advocating that you exceed the limit. I'm merely saying that it is not intrinsically unsafe at times if you do so after you carefully consider the balance of prevailing conditions. It's just not. Take school zones, for example, on arterial roads. At 3.59pm, the limit is like 40, okay? And then at 4pm, the limit is, say, 70. 
If it's 3.59 and there are no children nearby in any situation that could be reasonably categorised or construed as potentially hazardous proximity to the road, like, is it safe to do 70? Yeah, sure. The conditions at 3.59 and 4pm are going to be identical, right? And of course, sometimes it's going to be unsafe to do 70 at 4.15 or 4.30 or 5 o'clock or 7pm. Who knows? Driving is kind of funny like that, huh? And 18.8% of <coughs> bronze also admitting there are some road rules they do not know. Anyone who claims they know all the road rules is either lying to you or smoking crack, or both. So, it seems, using Ford's bullshit metrics, that 81.2% of Cambrans <laughs> are lying crack smokers. And I think you'd agree, that explains rather a lot. Look, dude, the Australian road rules is basically the template for the state-by-state -state road rules, okay? And you can find those rules at the National Transport Commission's website. It's a 342-page PDF. Like, print it out, dude. It'll stop a bullet. I've read it, okay? Cover to cover, more than once. Researching various stories for tabloid TV on things like road rules you don't know kind of thing. The media just laps that up. And I doubt I would get 100% if they quizzed me about those rules at friggin' length. Nobody out there knows all the road rules. With April setting a record for new car sales across the country, 92,347 compared to the previous best of 87,571 in April 2016, Australians may be seeing significantly more vehicles on the road and dangerously seeing that other drivers have differing views of what's right and wrong on the road. You morons. No reference to individuals is made. April was not even close to an outright monthly sales record in Australia. April is generally a slow month for vehicle sales, and we had a record April, sure, but so what? 92,000 vehicles, a big deal. Been there before, got the t-shirt. The implication in this release is clearly that an alleged surge in vehicle sales means a consequential tsunami of new vehicles out there on the road after COVID and scary, dangerous traffic. Like, if only there were times, historically, when vehicle sales had exceeded 92,000 units, we'd be able to look at the safety implications of that and maybe project how the future might roll. Let's take June of 2015, shall we? 125,850 sales. That's vehicles sold, Australia, in June of 2015. And the following June, 128,569. And the June after that, 134,000, which is near as damn it, a lift of 50% on the April we've just had. And the next June, like, where are we now? Like 2018 or something. 130,000 vehicles, and then in 2019, in June, 118,000, and last year, in June, 110,000. Vehicle sales in Australia are historically routinely above 92,000. There's plenty of evidence on this, and car makers should know. There is no correlation with this and road safety. All the research done 
by all those agencies on road safety. Like nobody has ever implied such a correlation. Like more sales is bad. Like every time sales exceed 90,000, it's carnage out there. They don't say that. Like, come on. For a car maker even to propose joining these dots is absurd. We're seeing more cars on the road as people reacquaint themselves with returning to the office and perhaps prefer private over public transport. During this transition, our driving habits must adapt to suit the increased traffic and consider differing levels of confidence behind the wheel. I wonder if the same kind of emotional profiling applies to wearing trousers with differing levels of confidence after a year of wearing exclusively pyjamas allegedly working from home. Certainly in my case it does. Trouser phobia is a thing in 2021. I'm pretty sure I polled myself the other day, which is a neat trick if you can do it. Perhaps we should do a survey though, maybe a thousand people or something, to confirm. Every shitty press release, I'd suggest, needs a good quote, and that one was from James Stewart, whom Ford Shitsville categorises as Ford Australia's driver education lead. And it is quite funny to me how he doesn't categorise himself that way on his LinkedIn, where he says he's a director of driving solutions, an independent business, he's a driver trainer, an automotive event manager, a precision driver for film and TV, and experienced at giving it to the camera at both ends. I'm paraphrasing on that last one. In front and behind, unquote. Probably not at the same time, but that's just a guess. He'd need to be friggin' ambidextrous or a contortionist or both. Anyway, to driver training Jimbo both ends, I'd say, dude, like, keep up the good work. Driver training is a hard gig, and COVID must have been a bastard. And it is important for people to develop the so-called advanced driving skills, which are really just quite basic, hashtag, Respect. Good work, dude. Keep it up. But the traffic, hey, like, it's really just going back to being routinely shit, normally shit, conventionally shit, like before COVID shit, in the good old days. It's just like riding a bike, only your quads don't burn and your ass doesn't chafe, and of course it's not as good for your cardiovascular health. Pro tip, driving is not even that dangerous. Like, it's just not. That's the real story here, which nobody but nobody ever runs. In Shitsville, we drive more than 200 billion kilometres every year, and only 1,200 people die. That's a miracle. It's like 30 trips to Pluto and back, and it's not even a friggin' planet. Like, newsflash, mobility is still not totally benign, and it never will be. Despite the long distances, the remote areas, the third-rate civil engineering, the generally shit driving standard, the distraction, the aggression, the incompetence, like, we are one of the safest countries on earth in which to drive a car. This is called a fact. Road safety in Australia is actually a cosy little club of sorts, a cottage industry. Nobody wants to tell you the roads aren't that dangerous anymore because their funding might dry up and they might not get an invite to the next big conference at Sodom and Gomorrah by the sea. Correction, the Gold Coast. 
We could make the driving environment significantly safer, yeah, like we could wage war on distraction. It's epidemic out there. We could get the courts to take recidivist assholes off the road for good. We could spend more on the roads and emergency medicine, especially in regional Shitsville. We could improve the driving culture, couldn't we? get more courteous and maybe a bit more compassionate even behind the wheel. That's all it would take, frankly. If Ford actually wanted to improve road safety, they could go back in time and refrain from releasing the Focus RS with its any douchebag can drift mode. Such a safe feature, that one. Thank God for all those designed-in head gasket failures in that car, keeping them immobile at the workshop, not drifting. They could also re-engineer the mighty Mustang, couldn't they? Sort of structurally, so that it doesn't actually crash like a badly loaded bag of dicks. You can independently verify this claim at Euro NCAP's website if you really want to. Just go back in the press releases to 2017, which is quite entertaining, and also read the technical report on the Mustang crashes from back then. Here's a thought too. Ford Shitsville could even hand back the 38 million bucks it hoovered up from the taxpayer under the deeply flawed JobKeeper rort. There's an idea. Ford Shitsville did post a $59 million profit recently, so 59 minus 38 equals like 21 million which is still impressively in the black, dudes. Like, give it back. I double dead dingoes, donger. Piss Creek, dare you to do that. The 38 million bucks is certainly not going to help Shitsville drivers when Ford transfers it back to Dearborn to the corporate welfare addicts in Detroit. No reference to individuals is made. At least if the 38 big ones went back into the consolidated revenue here in the Treasury, right, some of it might get spent on our roads or other worthwhile pursuits versus none of it as things stand. So on balance, I think it's fair to say, sorry, Ford, your safety story is unmitigated bullshit and I think you just did it to lunch off National Road Safety Week this week. Thousand calls, like how hard can it be? Can't wait to see what you've managed to whip up for National Breast Enhancement Week. Not too many sleeps now for that one. This is, of course, my favourite time of the year. Just remember, research and phoning a thousand bogans with too much spare time are quite different activities in my book. Claiming one is the other is actually an insult to actual researchers, as I see it. Ford's actual corporate conduct does seem to me to be at odds with its claimed commitment to road safety. Like, this is just spin, and it's not even good spin. It's not even defensible spin. It's spin with an icing of fear-mongering on top, and no substance. <laughs> Aren't the roads scary now, after COVID kind of thing? If Ford put the 38 million bucks back on the table and... <laughs> This is pretty much a la-la land proposition, I know. But if they did, I would change my view on this. And I think so would many other Australians. But I won't be breath-holding on any of that. As things stand, like, well done, highlighting just how eagerly the media will get down on its knees and swallow practically anything without even cursory investigation or substantive analysis.